You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on? No bad dog army. Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, your host, TD. So happy that you guys are here today. I had this like crazy head cold come and go, so my voice is a little deeper than normal. I don't sound like a complete girl today, so there's that. This is a, a good podcast with a lot of very, this isn't one question, one problem. This is like three or four dogs with a lot of different things. This is an individual who just bought a farm out uh, in the Midwest and has two great Pyrenees uh, puppies that are learning how to protect the farm from coyotes and other predators, as well as integrate them in with their pets and golden retrievers and their having tiffs and there's a lot going on so this is this is a i recorded two other podcasts uh, last week and i think i'm just going to move with this one because this one i think is a lot more beneficial for you guys this also touch bases on something that we get a lot of questions about which is resource guarding um it's not a podcast on resource guarding although we are going to do that in the future so anyway this is a great podcast with a dog owner who has a lot of different variables going on so there's a lot of good information in here at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. So make sure you listen to the end for more uh, of the viewers or listeners podcast. Viewers in the future, our podcast studio is almost done. Um, we will definitely start filming before the end of the year and putting those up on socials for you guys to meet my staff and to have uh, guests on. And that's going to be exciting. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, don't forget, we are going on tour next month. So we have availability for uh, Texas, Florida, and LA for audit spots. And every single stop that we're doing, we're doing uh, f- obviously free meet and greets where you guys can come out, take pictures. I want to see you guys. I want to meet you guys. So make sure you follow me on Instagram and turn on your notifications. The Instagram algorithm and YouTube algorithm is so weird. And I'm telling you, I can't imagine how many messages I get from people saying, I had no idea you were here. Uh, make sure you turn on your notifications because you won't see my post likely if you're unless you're a super fan and you're on my stuff every second you're not going to see anything i put out unfortunately and that's on youtube and on instagram so make sure you turn on your notifications and uh, in the link below we also have a email list where we're going to be doing monthly emails for updates and stuff but obviously on tour i'm going to be announcing the meet and greet locations the day of uh, just cuz we don't know what's going to happen and the venues we're going to be in the weather so anyway Make sure you turn on your notifications. I want to meet you guys. I want to hang out with you guys. This is a really fun community that we're growing in the dog space that uh, needs it, I think. so. And last but not least, as you guys know, right now, this is something that we've never done before, but you guys can 
If you guys have questions about your dog, you want to know more about your dog, you have questions on training, for the first time only, of any other platform I've ever seen, you guys can join the members club and get access directly to my personal staff. So I have hired my dog training staff at the Upstate Canine Academy. They're now in the pro team in the members club to answer your questions as often as you want, every day, every other day, every week. And the members club has so much value an incredible amount of value. You're getting $100,000 worth of dog training information in there of all the uncut stuff I've done with all of my clients, as well as now you have access and to consult with my personal staff, two of them, Julia and Kyle are in there and it might change in the future, but it's huge. It's invaluable. If you guys want to know more about your dogs, you want questions, you have questions, join the members club, support the movement, just regardless. Like even if you, you know, like we get a lot of questions on like, how can I support you? You've helped me so much with the free podcast, the free YouTube. Like if you guys want to be part of the club, if we're going to change it to an online university soon, join the members club. Link in the description below. Let's get into the podcast. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. So like, our main, my main thing is we have, um, three inside dogs and Cooper is our middle dog that um he's so we have Joey he's our like he's nine and a half he's a golden retriever then we got Cooper who's seven and yeah seven and a half he's a golden retriever and then we got a mastiff and she's four okay when you say in, so when you say inside dogs yeah like well like they like they sleep inside like they're they're inside most of the time oh, okay and then we moved from Washington to Wisconsin and bought a farm. Amazing. And so we recently just got two great Pyrenees that are going to be our outside dogs. Got it. I, so that so, makes sense now that you say inside dogs. I was yeah. like, I've never. <laughs> like <we're> <laughs> yeah. Usually it's like inside cats or whatever, but. Oh, yeah. We have, we have, well, we have lots of cats on our property too. Sure. So. Sure. But anyway, um, so when we got Luna, our Mastiff, um, our middle dog Cooper, the golden retriever, he was very reactive to her, and he had done this like at like um, dog parks that I had taken him to. So I stopped taking him to dog parks. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. and so then we kind of he hasn't been around any other dogs really for a long time. And then we got the puppies, and they they're like 16 weeks old already. So we just got them last week, and we're trying to figure out the best way to introduce like the dogs to them like joey's fine joey can go out and like he'll he'll play with them he's fine with all dogs and then we've been trying to take cooper and luna just like one at a time just walking them down like part mm -hmm. down through the farm and back and we've done that twice with cooper and one time cooper like kind of wanted to go over and sniff them which so because i mean like we've kind of just kept let them be a little bit away from each other so they get to see each other like he sees them through the window all the time he knows that they're there mm -hmm. but when he went to sniff them what he does is he doesn't growl or give any warning he just immediately bites this is cooper yeah cooper does okay so he went he walked up to the puppies like on his own but then as soon as he got there he just bit one and he doesn't like bite like attack bite he just bites and then stops okay and then that puppy's like like you know crying because i don't know i don't know if he that's if he hurt him or if he just like that's how the puppy reacts mm -hmm. to it like um and so we haven't let them be around each other like that again and 
except yesterday we did take them out, like walk down the, it's, I don't know, it's maybe a quarter mile, walk them down and back near each other. And we would stop sometimes and just like let them all sit. They would be like maybe 20 feet away from each other. Mm-hmm. And Cooper, so Cooper knows they're there. Like sometimes my husband walks the puppies in front of us. Sometimes he walks them behind us. Like he's aware that they're there. But as soon as we like have them sit, Cooper purposely like just turns away from them. Like, okay. So I don't, I mean, I don't know like what's wrong with the, I mean, I, we just want to know like how we can introduce him without like him hurting anyone. Okay. Does that make sense? And maybe be less reactive to any other dogs. Like, like if someone wanted to bring their dog over, we don't feel comfortable with Cooper being around other dogs. Right. Because I don't, I don't understand what it, why, like why, how he does that or why he does it. So. Yeah. Okay. So Cooper, yeah. So Cooper is now almost correcting the puppies out of nowhere. Sounds like. Yeah. I mean the puppies, like he walked up and like, he like, you know, to go sniff them and the puppies, thought he just wanted to sniff like the other dogs do mm-hmm. and like he just immediately bit one okay uh okay got it so i would say right now uh the puppies are new for cooper uh and mm-hmm. obviously is cooper fixed or no yeah the okay. Co- cooper's fixed the puppies are not yet right because right they were on a farm they have no don't even mm-hmm, have vaccines mm-hmm, yet mm-hmm. so <laughs> no, no no yeah of course so got it so right now i would say your objective and goal is to try to figure out why cooper is doing these things as well as how to prevent it in the future correct yes okay so if you if you were to Okay. So I, I think it sounds like a correction to me. Are, are the puppies doing anything to Cooper? Or are they like jumping on him? Are they? No, no. I mean, they're just, they were, they were just standing there like going to sniff him. Okay. And then he turned around and like, then... and that seems to be like when he had problems like this, when it was at a dog park. Mm-hmm. So when he was young, I would take him and Joey to dog parks. I also took him to Cooper to like a playtime thing, you know, like a Petco yeah. type where there's just a bunch of pe- puppies his size. But um, when I would take him to dog parks, it got to the point where, like, I don't, I don't know how to explain this. He seems like a little neurotic to me, but, but um, but like he would he would come over by me, and then if a dog came near him, mm-hmm. like then he would just attack him. Like, and I don't, I don't know if it had something to do with me particularly or. If it's just he just doesn't like other dogs being in his space, like, yeah. Well, it could be both. He doesn't really know how to like. I don't know. He does. He does. It doesn't seem like he knows how to like meet dogs. Does that make sense? He but does, he has. Yeah. He had. Yeah, but he had been like going to the dog park regularly before that and mm-hmm. been fine. And then he just started doing it. I didn't know. I don't. I don't remember anything particular happening. But yeah. again, a lot of times things happen and we don't. We're not aware of it because we're humans and. Like, I don't know all the dog characteristic type things that happen. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's, it, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, um, it's protectiveness potentially it's, I don't really want to be here. Um, because some, I think everyone thinks that dogs are this, like they, they need to be with everybody or they want mm-hmm. to be with everybody. Um, and, 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 or they need to be, uh, friendly with, with everybody. 
and mm-hmm. I think and or I think also too again I think people are assuming that when they go to a space where there's other dogs because their dog is friendly with them in their pack at home then mm-hmm. that means that they're going to be f- friendly with the, yeah. you know the the other dogs when when they go out mm-hmm. and that's not always the case obviously um that's that's not what happens so I think your job mm-hmm. right now is to try to figure out exactly what his boundaries are as a dog of like what Cooper mm-hmm. likes, what he doesn't like. And mm-hmm. that's not necessarily catering to say, Oh, if you don't like other dogs, like you can go and bite them. It's, it's more mm-hmm. about if you don't like other dogs, I'm going to manage how you live your life around other dogs. And that's normal. Mm-hmm. And, and which is what we have been doing up to this point. Mm-hmm. And like with the, with the getting, getting the outside dogs now that are going to like guard our cows and stuff like that. Like our biggest thing is, you know, sometimes a gate gets left open. And if the dogs do, like if Cooper got out and was out on the, in the middle of the farm and saw them, we just want them to be able to be like, okay, Hey, I know who you are. I'm fine. While, while we're running after Cooper to get him, then he doesn't like go after the dogs or like, we just want them to be able to like be familiar enough with each other to not, because they, they probably like, I mean, our older dog does, he just loves all animals. So, yeah, I mean, we're fine if he goes out and plays with them some, but the other two dogs are more like, if you don't ever want to be around him, you don't have to. But if, something comes up where you are exposed, we don't want it to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, again, like that's, that's what I was talking about is like that management portion where if, Mm -hmm. if like, uh, I don't know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head because it's raining here, but it would be the equivalent to if you have something outside, like yesterday we bought this table for my podcast studio and like, I have to make sure, like I, brought it down last night to the studio because I didn't want it to get rained on today because I knew it was going to rain. My point mm-hmm. is, is if I'm like, oh, it's looking like it's going to rain. I have a expensive table in the back of my truck exposed. I need to take care of this. This is my job. Mm-hmm. This is my management system. Mm-hmm. So that's where a lot of, I think, what you can be doing is is important for you and making sure that, mm-hmm. again, like you can't, if he, we, we get this question a lot where Oh, if he gets out, the kids let him out, the neighbor lets him out, the workers let him out, the goats let him out, whatever. <laughs> and this dog gets out, you can't say like, I-, I don't want him to, it doesn't sound like he's going to go and kill anything. It just sounds like he doesn't really like mm-hmm. the puppies. And mm-hmm. I think also too puppies for dogs who are like Cooper and kind of, um, I don't know, grump it just like a grumpier dog that's like, meh, mm-hmm. get away from me. I don't mm-hmm. I think it would just be this correction that he's already doing. Like they're gonna come running up and be like, Hey, like what's up? Mm-hmm. And then he's gonna correct him and the puppies are gonna tail tuck, squeal and run away. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's what's been happening, which is very normal, very normal type of behavior. Obviously we don't want that to happen, especially uh-huh. as the the Pyrenees gets bigger because uh-huh. then the f- the little squall is going to be a little bit more potentially dangerous for both of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. But at the same time, as the GPs start to get bigger, then the reactivity and the corrections from Cooper will decrease because they're starting to learn how to be dogs as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess my point to you is, is there's, you can't do anything about 
I mean, again, it's just like human behavior. You're like, I send my kids off into the world into first, second, third, fourth grade college, and we've done everything we can to teach them how to be respectful and cautious and careful and whatever. But when they're gone and out there by themselves, you can't do anything. Like they just have to make good decisions. But your job is to also make sure you're putting them into as much situations that's going to make them successful as possible. And outside of that, it's out of your hands. Mm-hmm. So the best thing you can do is again, let's just say Cooper is not going to like these dogs, whatever. Yeah. Then that's, I, I think he will eventually. I just think yeah. it's just because he did this with our, with our Mastiff for probably, I would say like about a month. Like right. he would just all like, all, you know, he'd be fine with her. And then all of a sudden he'd just like, but um, yeah. So, I mean, I know that like it's our like our our job to manage it. Like, do you see any benefit of what we're doing, or should we not like take him on little walks with the dogs? Like, I do you think that's good or bad. Like, I don't think it's bad. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's bad. No, I think it's good. I think is you you keep them if you keep them uh, neutral because I think mm-hmm. dog socialization, in my experience especially working with a lot of behavioral cases is neutrality. Mm-hmm. I think if you have one dog over here that doesn't particularly love the other dogs around and they're just out for a walk, it's good. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what you, and this goes without saying, I just have to say it, but obviously when you're mm-hmm. out, you don't want the puppies to be antagonizing Cooper yeah. and jumping on him and hipping yeah. at his heels. Cause that's just mm-hmm. going to piss him off. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it, it's normal. Like I, I think right now, from what you're saying and you know best that you know your dog's best i think you're on the money as far as this is just this puppy stage because this is what cooper does with puppies to kind of keep them in line and to me it's natural mm-hmm. and i don't i used to have a dog named lola she was with me almost 18 years and mm-hmm. uh, she taught all of my puppies how to behave uh through corrections mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she was very fair is, is like the mm-hmm. best way to put it is I'm not mm-hmm. going to be micro. If I have a, like when I brought Lakota home, my Dutch shepherd, or even my St. Bernard, uh, when I brought him home, it, I let her teach these dogs. I didn't mm-hmm. micromanage anything. Cause I knew she was fair. She wasn't, she's not uh-huh. big enough and strong enough to like make a mistake, right. Where she like mm-hmm. really hurts yeah. a dog, mm-hmm. you know? So, so for me, I just, they, I think it's conditioning. So um, to me, it's dogs are so conditioned on uh, body language and sounds. Like if they, like for us, if we smell smoke, that means fire or if we, Mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, it goes, this means this, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's what's happening. And, you know, again, like with Lola's, I I would be smart. So there's this boundary of fairness with you too. Like I'm not going to give Cooper a, meaty knuckle bone and then let the puppies run around yeah. obviously you know so so there's just like this fairness that you have to have and and, and to me it's like this natural balance of because mm-hmm. you got to think like cooper has come up to these puppies and mm-hmm. could have killed them within seconds and just decided mm-hmm. to say hey like don't mm-hmm. be annoying to me and stay in yeah. your lane and they're like oh mm-hmm. yeah so there's um, so, all of that so here's um, like my question because the thing is, like, this doesn't happen very often. So then, when it does happen, like, like let's say we are doing the walk thing, and yeah. like, you know, he it looks like he wants to go up to them again. Mm-hmm. I and mean, do we allow him to do that? 
Like, do you, if oh, yeah. he, if he, okay, then, then if he does that again, how is it that we're supposed to react mm-hmm. like to him and to the other dogs? Like, yeah. like, you know, like, because, because it's not something you get trained on. Like if your dog bites <laughs> another dog, exactly. this is what you should do. So then we're like, what, what do you recommend? Exactly. Yeah. It's a great, uh, it's a great question. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's so, it's so you put it so well, um, uh, you don't get trained on that, right? You don't, yeah. when that happens, cause you can't recreate the reason why nobody gets trained yeah, on it. Every situation is yeah, different. And you can't recreate it. It's like, all right, today I'm going to learn how to handle my puppy when they correct, you know, a dog mm-hmm. or whatever. Anyway. So it's a good question. I think my recommendation is simple is to just, you have to ass- assertively handle the situation. And I see a lot of, People who work on farms in particular, people who work with wildlife in particular, horses, goats, cows, pigs, mm-hmm. chickens, etc. Animals who don't really cue off of verbiage of like left, right, down, back, yeah. no. They just, mm-hmm. they know that if you're applying pressure in some way, whether it's ver- verbal, physical, with a mm-hmm. gait or with your body or with a mm-hmm. whatever, they're, they they learn how to yield to that stuff because they're going to get smashed in the face if they don't move, right? But mm-hmm. uh, so... Um, handling the situation that way is like, I think the, be- like if there's a squall in daycare where you get 40 dogs running around, maybe you get a new dog, maybe you get a dog that's been away for a little bit. There's going to be little tiffs and it's mm-hmm. not this big, like, no, don't, yeah. it's just assertively grabbing one dog, pulling them off, you know, tightening up on their flat collar, letting them know like, Hey, this is inappropriate. Maybe putting them you know, just kind of man, mandolin, you know, air quote, manhandling them a little bit to say, Hey, no, 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 no. We're not, you just have to, what I mean by this is it's not like pinning them down or being rough with them. And it's just grabbing and being like, no, this isn't happening. So, Mm -hmm. so there's that, there's really all the, all that you can do. But as far as Cooper kind of going up to the puppies, in my opinion, with you, because you you're on a sounds like what's starting to create a working farm or it's already a farm mm-hmm. so you have fencing so take advantage of that fencing and use the the chain links the the chicken wire any fence that has mm-hmm. this see-through barrier that's a mm-hmm. great way for them to acclimate with one another very safely mm-hmm. because you don't have to worry about anything mm-hmm. so and then the other thing is is just experience of if the puppies are out walking the problem is is when cooper goes to engage with the puppies the puppies are going to turn around and want to play or they're going to want to turn around and or they're not they're going to be scared and they're going to run away and it's going to create this prey drive and now cooper's going to be chasing them (laughs) around it's going to be this thing so really it's just experience it's there's nothing i can give you that's going to be like Mm -hmm. yeah you know so the other thing is is i mean if you really want to get um down to it the other thing that you could do also is muzzle training with cooper yeah i was that i was i was watching your videos and i noticed you use that a lot and i'm like i don't know like i was going to ask you like is that something you would recommend or not recommend like i don't i i've never yeah seen someone use one yeah well you know muzzle training is just one of those things that allow us to be safe so Mm -hmm. if we so say we muzzle condition him for a week and he's like, okay, mm-hmm. this thing's great. I don't care. Um, I'll use this whenever. Right. Um, that's cool. You know, that's totally cool. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like he's like, okay, I, this is great. I don't really care about this, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. what, what then 
gives you an opportunity is then you're going to be able to use that muzzle in situations where the puppies are around and you can, mm-hmm. again, same thing without the, you can basically have your cake and eat it too, where you're like, Hey, you can go out and do what you want, be a dog, do what you would normally do. It'll give you an opportunity to really see how he's going to be with the dog safely. And so mm-hmm. that's the other option that you could do too, is just allow them to be out and be dogs and be okay with each other yeah. there that way. Yeah. I had a question about that just because I, I have never used a muzzle before. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have like, let's say Cooper has a muzzle on cause he got comfortable with it and we feel good with it. Mm-hmm. If he goes out and he's with them, but they don't have a muzzle on like, and they can like, chew on him like you know like puppies like to bite at things like is that gonna be like will that make it a stressful like unfair thing or will it is it fine like that's what i don't understand yeah well again like your your job is to kind of manage the situation to see how it goes yeah it's it's you have two options in that context is they're going to chew on his muzzle and kind of play with him and be like, Mm -hmm. Oh, what's this? Cause I'm a puppy or they're going to chew on his jowls and then he has immediate access to do whatever he wants to do. So I I just think Mm -hmm. to be honest, like right now, if you guys just have them in neutrality with one Mm -hmm. another, as you go about and work with these dogs, um, you know, I, I don't think you're going to have any, any problems with them kind of getting Mm -hmm. acquainted. Um, just because, you know, it, it's it it sounds like after a little bit he's going to be fine with with the with the dogs anyway. Mm-hmm. It sounds like yeah. so. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I have a couple other questions just about general training. Sure. I didn't know if like I could ask you those. Yeah, I of didn't course. Know. I, I know you said I have an hour, but I didn't know like if it had to be only Coopers. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we talk okay. about it, whatever. Um, obviously, we have these new dogs and. They're, they're actually doing really good. We like them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, it's it's funny for me just because I'm like, this is so nice not potty training a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're just outside. Um, but so uh, we know that the Pyrenees, like, they're guard dogs. We know that they bark. Um, if like one of them gets into just like a, a loop of barking and like he just isn't stopping, like if, even if there's nothing there, Mm-hmm. Like, like, like last night there were coyotes, maybe like a mile away. You could hear them and he was barking at them, mm-hmm. but then he was like on high alert and he just kept barking and barking and barking and barking. Um, even long after they were gone, <laughs> is there a way to like, like intercede that, like be like, okay, you did your job now, but it's time to like stop. Cause I know he's just kind of, um, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like a correction, but not correcting him because that's what his job (laughs) yeah i i would just be yeah i mean you get it you know uh i i just think like a verbal hey thanks for letting me know is going to be okay but when you're bringing up excuse me and raising livestock dogs uh, for excuse me for being livestock dogs there's it it's a beautiful thing really it's 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 this it's this magical uh, coming into themselves type thing that a lot of dogs, unfortunately, don't get to do. Like, mm-hmm. that's honestly, that's like my main, it's not my main thing, but I mean, if more people could understand what dogs are supposed to be doing, uh, we wouldn't need as much training as we do. So, 
anyway, I, I, I kind of study this a lot and I, I find it fascinating. And so I, you know, you just have to, you have to let these dogs kind of figure, how old are the puppies? They're, they're 16 weeks. Okay. So they're still pretty young. And, yeah. So, and when we got them last week, they were living, um, out in a pasture with their mom mm-hmm. and of the pups mm-hmm. and they were like probably 200 turkeys <laughs> mm-hmm. and like the turkeys were caged like in a in a like enclosure and then the dogs were on the outside of that enclosure in a pasture mm-hmm. so, yep cool so so far <laughs> yeah i i would um i would just i would do the best you can to kind of allow them to do what they feel like they need to do um, I, without giving them a lot of pressure. That's yeah. what I would do. I mean, but I, I just think in the future, like a verbal, hey, knock it off. Thanks for letting me know, like if it becomes habitual. But you just have to be very careful about that just because, yeah. you know, like you're and you're yeah. they're going to try to – this is like the interesting thing is they're going to – you're going to try to figure out the difference in barking so that's mm-hmm. why you know it's important for them to bark through certain things because they're going to their tone and their rhythm of their barking is going to change predicated yeah. off of the animal and how close they are. Uh-huh. So right now it just seems like they're trying to figure out like what what's what's coming into their head naturally. They smell coyotes, they 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 hear the coyotes. So they're kind of like going like, "Hey, something's telling me I should let you know about this, ma, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then I think just, you know, from your standpoint, it's like, I would, I would almost go out and this is, I don't know how you're going to do this, but the way that you should, you should be handling this is like, Hey man, thanks. Great. Thank you. Thanks for letting me know. So yeah, you're rewarding the behavior of course, but also it, it, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. it is a rewarding thing, but you have to, it's just like with kids. They're like, they're letting you know, like, Hey, something's here. And you're like, okay, thank you. Got it. Now quietly just relax, you know, knock it off. So, you know, yeah. I, I think that there's this, there's this, um, it's just going to take time for them to figure out yeah. what they need to do. But I would just be very cautious about giving them any pressure for barking when, a threat to your farm is there for obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, they, they tend to like to dig and we didn't know if there was anything that like helps deter that. Um, yeah, there is. Um, that's something that I think you can certainly, you know, be like, Hey, knock it off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and correct that behavior for sure. Um, yeah. but, um, it's going to take some time for, for them. I, I so my, my, my thing is, is like, there's going to be certain things like with, with any type of dog that you're raising or any type of dog that you're teaching or anything that you teach to say, Hey, go out and have fun. But these are the things you can't do. And right now yeah. you probably don't have the tools and relationship and guidelines to communicate to the dog that what they're doing is wrong. So if they're out and they're guarding and they're posturing and they're barking and they're chasing all the things that you would want these dogs to do, that's Mm -hmm. good. But the moment they start to maybe dig or they start to bark at things they shouldn't, that's where you have to have that, okay, hey, knock it off. But Mm -hmm. that, okay, knock it off 
is probably going to come more from leash training than anything because it's a quicker, more efficient um, display of control. So there's, and, and I think the the real defining thing here is accountability. So when you say, hey, knock it off, and they're like, mm, that sounds like you're upset or that sounds different from what you normally talk to me like and it scares me it startles me it upsets me whatever um but it may not stop them from digging at all or anything else for that matter that they instinctually want to do so i think Mm -hmm. spending more time with the outside dogs on leash is going to be a good idea for you Mm -hmm. so that's what i would recommend to do is to get them on the leash and start teaching them like boundaries and limitations and thresholds and I'd be working on leave it and things like that. Um, yeah. But they're puppies, they're bored. Uh, they're going to dig, they're going to chew. They're gonna... All these are whole puppy things, but we also don't want them to become ingrained habits. So yeah. it's like, uh, what's that balance? And then, um, so because they're like always together, mm-hmm. sometimes they like separate in the backyard, they'll go different areas and stuff like that. But pretty much they're always together. Um, I wanted to start like doing some, like the training and stuff with them on the leash. Yeah. But it's better if my husband and I both do it at the same time, or if I take one separately to a different area of the farm, and like he does. Yeah. Because so, I, you know, I don't know how much they will feed off each other or not pay attention when they're with each other. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I would say um, it's it's a good idea to do them separately for sure. Um, okay. But you you have to just be careful about, um, yeah, I, I would just say in general, uh, training them separate is huge. So that's what I would recommend is training them separate and, uh, working them separate and, um, just making sure between you and your husband that you guys are consistent is the most important thing when you're doing this. Yeah. So I, I'm, that's the one thing, like we know we are, we we're different in every aspect of our whole lives, but mm-hmm. I, so I, he's letting me, I was going to like, and ask you another question real quick mm-hmm. um i want to get one of your training things like you know you have a basic training or an e-commerce oh, my course training. yeah 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 um which one would you recommend like to start with if there's 16 yeah the the uh kickstarter course for sure is uh okay is the best so one the plan is because i my husband and i've discussed this is like we are very different on how we like kind of correct dogs and the stuff, but we know that with these dogs, we need to be consistent. So yeah. I would do the tr- all the training with them to begin with initially. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to teach him like how it goes after I get some <laughs> control of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. The beauty of the course too is he can watch that after you're done with it or watch it with you. So uh-huh. it's this very sustainable thing okay. where you're like hey i'm gonna watch you know i'm gonna watch this i'm done with it you need to watch it because this is how i'm gonna start training the the pups yeah. and so yeah. that way he knows and and that's the beauty of courses in general is it's scalable mm-hmm. and it's it's consistent you know it's it's like when you even if you come in for training and we see this often if you come in for training you're gonna forget a lot of the stuff you're gonna say things wrong um, yeah and uh and with the courses it's the same information it's like, hey, I want you to watch this because this is what we need yeah. to start doing, you know. So. Um, okay, and then, uh, at what age do you think the do you recommend like being able to use like an e collar on dog? Yeah, uh, 
it really the the answer to that is is once the dogs understand what you're asking them to do on the remote collar is when you can start applying the remote collar. So okay. uh, I know it doesn't give you the exact answer you're looking for. No, but, I, no, no, that does answer it. Okay, yeah, because you're you're introducing the remote collar in conjunction with the dog's uh, understanding of uh, you know what you're asking them to do off leash. So. Yeah, it's a good question, but really it comes down to making sure that you're using it appropriately uh, and the dog understands what you're asking. Mm -hmm. That's all. Okay. And um, with, like, the Great Pyrenees, we know, like, um, like boundaries are a big deal. Otherwise, they yeah. will. Um, we have never used, like, one of those type of, like, electric fence type things. or You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. The, the like with an e-collar type thing or whatever however that works um is that something you think that they would respond to or no yeah for sure if you especially if you especially if you started early um mm -hmm. yeah the answer is yes you yeah. just again like you have to you have to really understand that when you're working with dogs in general mm -hmm. the e-collar is just a tool, right? It's just a polishing, yeah. finishing touch mm -hmm. on what you're already doing. So yeah, you got to, the earlier you do it with boundaries, like what, what a lot of people do, unfortunately, is they get any dog. It doesn't matter if it's a Great Pyrenees, if it's a Shepherd, it's a Husky or whatever. And then they just think, I'm just going to wait for, basically what ends up happening realistically is they wait for there to be problems. And once the problems yeah. start happening, then they're like, okay, I'm going to start training now. And it's like, you want to go, you want to be proactive yeah. instead of reactive. We don't have any problems yeah so that's that's the deal um that's that's how you work on those things is you start just training now boundaries rules i mean think about anything anything in life it's like hey do you want to start this when these these things are sponges and they learn how to behave in the first place or do you we want to wait for them to get 100 pounds and have no boundaries and no structure and then we'll start working on the basics so yeah. you start off now, that, like I said, that Kickstarter course is perfect for you. And then uh -huh. after your dog knows those, th it kind of goes in order. After your dog knows those things in the Kickstarter course, you can then mm -hmm. transfer to off-leash stuff. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then I have no idea. I mean, it sounds, it, to me, it sounded like he just, the guy we bought them from just threw dog food in a big dish for the four of them. Yeah. And um, the one dog has a little bit of food aggression, which I've never had to deal with before. The puppy? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you would recommend just to try to nip that early or? Uh, yeah. So, again, like this comes down to your relationship with the dog. Like, let's let me yeah. scale it back a little bit. So resource guarding at like a very blanketed general what is it it's this is mine not yours if you try to touch it uh -huh. i'll protect it at all cost some dogs yeah. will growl some dogs will growl and bark some dogs will growl bark bite some dogs will take it and run um uh -huh. there's a lot that can every dog is different so yeah i think the most important thing for you is to just not only teach the dog that they can't get away with doing that behavior like they need to know in their head 
that mm-hmm. you ultimately control and gatekeep all the really great stuff. And right mm-hmm. now, it, your dogs are trying to figure, especially at that age, like right yeah. now, if it doesn't get corrected, it's going to be very dangerous for everybody involved later. Yeah. And resource guarding, for the most part, is never one of those things that end up just going away with age. It actually ends up just getting worse. Yeah. Because they're bigger, stronger, and faster. And now they're, instead of like biting you with their puppy teeth, they're putting you into the ER. So, um, hand feeding works well so if these dogs are on kibble start taking that valuable stuff and saying hey this comes from me and you got to do a little obedience for it so mm-hmm. backpedaling sit good sit pay him recall sit throwing the food on the ground telling the dog to stay and then breaking the dog so making sure the yeah. dog understands that all of the things that they want is going to come from you and you control uh-huh. that and if a steak emerges into the abyss <laughs> you know out of nowhere and you say ah, the dog should go oh my bad and kind of take a step back and then that gives you an opportunity to uh to start working on that boundary where the dog's like hey there's a big thing from a pig roast sitting there and you're like ah, and the dog's like oh man i really want it but i'll listen that's impulse control and boundary setting so it's just like with kids Right, yeah. I say this all the time. You pull up to Disney, the kids get out of the car and run across the busy parking lot because they're happy, yeah. they're excited, and the currency of seeing Mickey Mouse is more important to them than the accountability that you're going to provide or the correction or the punishment that you're going to provide. And then yeah. it, it counterweighs itself, and then that's where things start to spiral out of control is because mm-hmm. they're always going to want to do things. And then if you're like, hey, you can't, and they flip you off, that's your whole relationship. Uh-huh. So I would start putting the dog in the leash, working on hand feeding, working on making sure that the dog understands that that value that they want has to come from you. And mm-hmm. if that valuable thing, such as a bone or kibble or whatever is there and you say, leave it, the dog will respectfully back away from that until you release him back to it. Mm-hmm. And all of that is is impulse control and thresholds. Okay. And then what about, so, um, we like, so he was, he was like very aggressive towards the other Pyrenees the other day because he had found a mouse that my, one of our barn cats had left on the ground. Yeah. And so once he got it, he started to eat it. The other dog like wanted to, wanted some of it. And like, then he got like really aggressive towards him. Like in that situation, um, is there something like, do we correct him there or just let him, he's guarding his food. I don't, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. So the out command is going to come in helpful. So like when we're, whenever we're chaining with dogs, it's, mm-hmm. we're using, we're using our obedience to deescalate and to d- break down certain things and disarm certain things, just like with, with kids, just like with humans. So we, we teach humans at a very early age how to put things in A, B, C, D, E, F, G, etc. And then we teach them sentences. Why? So we can communicate and they can educate themselves throughout their life. So uh-huh. with dogs, it's the same thing. If we don't have an out command or we don't have a leave it command that was introduced at an early age, aka right now, and then yeah. they get something like a, like a dead animal mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be like, hey, just knock it off. They don't. They don't understand what you're asking. So you have this five-year-old kid running around that's never spoken English. It's like Bam Bam from Flintstones, right? Just kind of running around, bumping things on the head. 
and you're like, hey, come over here and talk to me. They don't understand hey, they don't understand come, they don't understand over, they don't understand here, and etc. So you can't communicate. So anything that you see, that's why, again, the No Bad Dog Kickstarter course, mm-hmm. I created it as a puppy course in the beginning, but what I realized was, is it's actually a course on all the problems that my behavioral clients come in with. I never get, oh, yeah. I never get to work with puppies. Uh-huh. So once we started the course, I just naturally was like, here's the things you don't want to do. And I was like, a light bulb went off. I'm like, holy shit, this is not a puppy course. This is a, if you want to build a relationship with a dog and when you're faced with inevitable behavioral challenges, this uh-huh. is going to give you all the all the ammunition in the world to be able to dismantle yeah. these situations like these dogs. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. out and you're leave it command. Like if I, my dog Lakota, she has a really mm-hmm. good understanding. <laughs> I don't want to say she has a great out because sometimes she doesn't, but she has a really good what, understanding of what it is. Out. What it, is that? Out is just spit it out of your mouth, whatever it is. Oh, out. Okay. Yeah, right. Drop mm-hmm. out, whatever you want to say. It doesn't matter. But yeah. She she has that. So if she gets a hold of something, I can say out because I taught her how to out on a tug. So if she were to get an animal, I could say out and then enforce it off leash with a remote collar if she decided to say no. Because this animal that's squealing in my mouth, like say it's a rabbit or whatever, it's squealing in my mouth. I can feel like I can I can feel this is a this is as real as it gets. And people have a hard time understanding that the dog that they cuddle with on the couch is an absolute savage of a killer and loves nothing more than feeling a pulsating body dying in their mouth like it's it's morbid but it's the hundred percent truth so and i know you know that owning a farm you understand dogs and animals i didn't understand that until we got here they'd left them two Mm -hmm. barn cats and the one is an amazing hunter and then she had kittens because she was pregnant when we moved here and um when she was teaching them like I was fascinated by watching like she'd bring him dead things first and then she brings them live things and lets them play with it. Like it was just fascinating, but yeah, I mean, I get that. And so that, that answers the question because we have um, chickens that free range and we know we've read, you know, like it's more likely you, one of your chickens will get caught by your dogs eventually, but that's the outs thing. Like if they end it well. Exactly. That's it, right? So there's there's two big things into living with dogs. Doesn't matter if they're pets or they're working dogs like like yourself. Is mm-hmm. it's two things, right? It's going to be two splits. And this is again my biggest. This will solve every single problem you've ever had with any dog, ever. Two things. It's what information do they know that's going to help you apply when your dog is doing whatever it is, attacking mm-hmm. people, attacking dogs. Not mm-hmm. coming back when called, not sitting and staying when the UPS drive. It doesn't matter what scale it's on, what variable yeah. it's on, right? And then the other part of that is, is what is your accountability when they don't listen if they know that behavior? Those two things right there will give you every answer that you could ever imagine mm-hmm. to working with your dog. When, mm-hmm. okay, my my dog just got a chicken and I go, okay, how's your out? It doesn't exist. Well, then you're going to have to chase that dog out and get that chicken out of that dog's mouth. Good luck. Yeah. And then, so let's just, let's just flip. Oh, my dog knows out really well. Okay. So your dog now has a squawking prey thing in his mouth. There's blood, there's heart rates, there's everything going on. And now your out doesn't matter. And this Mm -hmm. is where a lot of the dog training population, unfortunately disagrees, but 
no, I shouldn't say a lot. I would just say that there's two sides, which is crazy, but this is where, okay, your dog is now chewing and trying to eat this thing alive because it's fun for them and they know out, but they're like, yeah, but this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Then what is your accountability when you say out and they don't? And if it's off leash, no control, this is why like banning e-collars in certain places is going to do more harm than good. It's going to kill more things than keep them alive mm-hmm. is because yeah. then, t- when, then when you get that prey driven dog off leash and it's killing a cat, a chicken, another dog, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and you say out and they're like, yeah, but that's your ability to hold the dog accountable, to drop that thing and come back to you and it's over. So there's two, mm-hmm. there's two splits right there and that will pretty much answer any dog training question that you'll ever have and it'll also it'll also hold you accountable of as little as my dog doesn't walk nicely on the leash and i say does your dog know heel you say no and i say we can't talk about this next you say well my dog doesn't come back when i call him and i have cookies in my hand how often has he worked on recall well we don't next that's Mm -hmm. i mean and of course my job as a consultant and professional is to bring you through the options of how to do it but that's mm-hmm. kind of what, what immediately rolls through my head is I, you know, I just yeah. want to, yeah. So anyway, I want okay. you to, I want you to take that as a whole and understand that anything that you come across mm-hmm. with these dogs or any other dog in the future or your friend's dog, your neighbor, whatever, all the knowledge in your head is if you're having a problem, ask yourself how much time you've spent isolating, working on the problem you're having mm-hmm. and then go over Okay, and if it doesn't, like, what is my backup plan? And that's always my question to certain people who have their dogs off leash that really can't hold their dog accountable if they don't come back, which Uh the only thing in the world to hold your dog accountable in the world off leash is a remote collar. It's the only thing that exists on this planet is modern technology. Mm -hmm. And so that's always my question to you and to other dog owners is if you're, you know, Pyrenees, because there's certain games, right, that you'll have to play with these GPs when they're out and they're working. Yeah. Uh, the coyotes will start baiting them to try to kill them. Um, you know, they may try to go after an animal they shouldn't. Like they may go after a dangerous animal like a horse and they get kicked in the face and they whatever. Mm-hmm. My point is, is you have to then say, how much work have I done on the things that I'm going to actually need? Yeah. And then the next question is what are you going to do to hold the dog accountable if they decide to say no? So it's always this, what is the worst case scenario that'll happen in this? And oftentimes is, well, my dog won't listen. And then the next kind of drip after that is, is if your dog doesn't listen in this scenario, what does that mean for your dog? Sometimes it's as brutal as death or getting hit in the face with porcupines or getting sprayed by a skunk or at least just, you know, not coming home for two or three days because they're chasing a scent. But you just have to remind yourself that if there's no accountability for your dog's natural, instinctual, innate behavior, mm-hmm. especially you, like you're living it, you have two working dogs that are working on a farm. So you just have to make sure that's my suggestion is get a two dog collar system for them, train mm-hmm. them well on their basics for the next two months, a month, two months, depending on how much time you have. Uh-huh. And then start layering in the remote collar and you'll, you'll be in really good shape. Okay. Um, and then I guess I have one last question because I know we're running out of time. Um, I, from what I've seen on videos and stuff like that, um, Great Pyrenees paw a lot at people like paw, mm-hmm. paw and ours do that. 
Is that something you think we should just let go, or is it something we should try to correct? I mean, because it's it's a something that's kind of built into their breed. But well, so, I, it, yeah, I I think it's as simple as I think it's as simple as just again, like assertively just disengaging that. Like that doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. So if you're so sitting. Because yeah. they want you, they do it. They apparently attention. They want you, so just don't give them attention. Exactly. Them. Bingo. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Uh, again, mm-hmm. if you're sitting down watching TV and you're, or you're outside and they paw you and you turn and look at them and go, don't paw me. They're like, ding, ding, ding. Got it. Next. And they do it okay. again. So again, like you just, you can't play that okay. game. Like these are, con- okay. do- dogs in particular are so conditioned beasts, right? They, if they get something out of a behavior and it's something mm-hmm. they like, mm-hmm. that's the definition of positive reinforcement is yeah. if I do something and I get something back in return that's transactional, yeah. then that's what I need to do to do this, right? So if I sit and I get paid, that's what I'm going to start doing, right? So if we, so again, it's just being assertive. Like if I have a dog that's like sitting there pawing at me, I'll just, I, I will literally, I, I, I mean, Listen, I'm a dog lover. So if it's a dog that I don't know, I'll probably say what's up to him, you know? Like this guy, we were in yeah. Vermont. He reckoned, He's like, hey, man, love your videos. And he had his dog with me, and his dog was like just this little puppy just loving up on me, and I didn't care what he, this dog did because I don't care, yeah. right? It's yeah. it's their job. It's not mine, you know? So yeah. it's your job is to kind of just ignore that, walk through that, avoid that. Um but again, like you got to do it across the board with your husband and anybody else that's going to be in these dogs' families because I've seen people do that all the time. Is the dog will like you're trying to ignore it and mm-hmm. try not to make it a big deal, and then somebody else is holding the dog's paw and giving them a, a you know an interview yeah. as they're doing it, yeah. <laughs> and it's like oh man. So okay, yeah, okay, that's good. Just because yeah, we we watched a lot of videos on Great Pyrenees, and that's one of the things people say. They paw, like they constantly paw, will paw at you. And I'm like, but I don't really want them to constantly paw on exactly. me. And, you know, I might have grandchildren someday and I don't want that hurt anybody because mm-hmm. their paws are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so. exactly. So that, so that's it. You know, you just have to just think okay. about it. It's, it's a very simple thing, really. Mm-hmm. Dogs are, uh, we, we as humans, I think, op- overcomplicate things with our emotion. You know, they're just, they're animals. They're, they're natural born hunters, killers, trackers. Mm-hmm. And the more we treat them like dogs, the happier they'll be. The happier mm-hmm. you'll be with your dog. There's not this emotional expectation unrealistically applied that doesn't make any sense. The dog gets anxious and stressed and neurotic and so do you. So really mm-hmm. just, you know, treat them like your your other animals on your farm. Mm-hmm. Just like you're not gonna go out there and you know, sit down and powwow with the goats and the chickens and talk to them and cuddle with them. Dogs are, yeah, no, we do. <laughs> yeah, well, you may do, you may do that. But my point is, is you're not expecting an answer back, you know? And so obviously dogs are domesticated. So it just yeah. kind of ruins their psyche when you expect like, you know, really, I mean, you're just like, don't, don't give them that information because then they're looking at you like you got eight heads, Yeah, you know, and then their relationship with you decreases because you know, you're talking to him too much. So okay. anyway. Okay. That's yeah. all good. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Great. It was a pleasure and uh, have a good day and good luck with everything. 
Okay. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. And if you want me to answer your questions, you guys, all you have to do is go over to the iTunes review chart, leave a review and leave your question. That's the only way to communicate via podcast. So here we go. Mrs. Amy ML. Um, I've been listen, binge listen to this while walking. I'm so glad I found this podcast. I rescued Finn, a year and a half old black lab mix three months ago, and I'm a first time dog owner. I know that's not recommended for first time owner, but I have, I am stubborn and I will do anything to make it work. We are in day camp training and it's been super helpful. We also get at least two hours of active time daily. Great question. His trigger is men. I have come to realize that the more anxious as a man approaches on a walk, because I'm afraid how Finn will react. I realize my error in this is how it feels his behavior. He lunged at a male relative. So now I'm terrified he will attack somebody. He never has, and he never acted like he would, but what is your best for me to introduce him to males? He is not triggered by all males, just new ones randomly. So if you have a dog that's randomly reactive to people or the specific trigger like men, the best thing to do is, you know, control your dog in those environments. So we're going to be healing, we're going to be sitting, we're going to be placing, we're going to be staying. So you're going to make his world smaller. Don't allow him to have full access of the whole house and don't allow him to be pulling you towards these men for him to decide if he's okay with them or not. Your obedience is number one. So like you heard in this podcast, like if you don't have good obedience, you can't touch behavioral stuff. So that's the number one. Audit that. Make sure that's good. And then the other thing is, is get him around as many men as you possibly can that are going to completely ignore this dog. So if you are going to be introducing him to a new guy, I have several podcasts on how to introduce new people to dogs. And so just go outside, walk with this person, get them integrated in, um, and then have that person ignore the dog at all costs, and then just take it step by step. But recently I did an Instagram post on how you should be handling your dog as well, which is going to be really helpful for you. So it's put your shoulders straight, put your head up. A lot of times when dog owners get into fix it mode, which is what that uh, video is about, we have a tendency to, like you said in this question, is to make the dog more nervous. Put your head forward, put your shoulders straight, put your leash in one hand, go out and conquer the world. Uh, your confidence is huge. So you just have to practice that, I think, separately in general. So thanks for listening. and appreciate you. Next one, Stealing the Silver Lab. Literally the best. I haven't found any other podcast that's better. This helped me with my dog so much. My dog has my dog doesn't have bad behavioral problems, but I still listen and learn so much. Good job, guys. Thank you so much. Yee yee. Juno ML. Amazing. Six, five year uh, wow. Five stars. I have a six month old uh mix that we me and my partner adopted uh, for your videos and podcasts. They're super helpful for uh, training her. I was also wondering the difference between a slip and a choke collar. Are they the same? Good question. So a slip leash is in a leash that's attached to you at the end and it goes to the dog. And uh, a slip collar is a regular leash that you put on the dog. And I think we used to use slip leashes or collars like every time that we would train or most times. And now we're just using slip leashes because we have stoppers that we can add. Um, and ours are going to be restocked. Holy soon, jeez, I'm crow. I'm just bashing my head trying to... Such a... Such a... um frustrating thing where i'm like hey i have the best that you can get and then they just sell out and then we don't have them anymore for like three months <sighs> it's very frustrating anyway um that's the difference one of them is a collar one of them is a leash they can be used the same the difference between typically the leash and collar is the leash will have a stopper that'll keep that place in position better uh, and safer next one dre and her poodle five-star review. I recently discovered your podcast and I've really enjoyed it. My almost two-year-old standard poodle pulls in the leash. What, 
walks are stressful and I feel like he expends most of his energy pulling. What is your opinion on harnesses? <laughs> we use a front clip harness. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. Like I just did a video on this. That's why I'm laughing. I've been told that they teach dogs to pull, but I'm afraid my dog will choke himself out. So yeah, so exactly. Um, you're going to have to watch my, watch my recent video. Literally, this is, this video is literally for you. These owners came in with a dog and it's, I changed the title, uh, to something about harnesses just because I felt like it was like, that's what needs to be said. The harness is created a dog training nightmare. It's my most recent video. Watch that. Um, it, it's the same thing as like, Oh, I got a harness to make sure my dog doesn't pull is the same equivalent to say, I don't want to get a slip leash because it'll choke my dog out. Your dog is pulling. And it's way worse because now your dog isn't engaged. And this is just a side note. And this is just a podcast rant um, that I I honestly want to do. I've Every single time I see it for years, I want to do like a documentary on this or a poll or a social experiment. Every single dog that I see on a harness, nose down, four feet in front of the owner, Dragging, pulling, sniffing, zero engagement, zero engagement. The relationship between the dog and the owner is likely going to be the same as all the other dogs that are dragging their owners down the road. Just like you see, like, what is the biggest thing that dog owners come into my facility with a behavioral problem do? drag their owners everywhere. There's no engagement. There's no accountability. There's no structure. There's no filter. There's zero connection between the dog and the, and the owner. Zero. And likely those dogs don't listen. Except like I'm telling you right now, if I did a social experiment for a year, six months even, out of all the places I travel all over the world, and I were to go up to say, hey, I see you're on a harness and without stating the obvious of your dog being absolutely completely out of control. And it's not even like, it's just what I'm observing. I don't want to say it's not my opinion, but every single, like I was just in Vermont yesterday and I saw so many dogs on harnesses just dragging their, and their owners are just trying to talk to the person they're with and like keep their shoulder in place. And it's just a nightmare. And there's one but the biggest thing is, is that dog is going to grow up without an owner. Like there's no, ba like it's, it, it's non-existent. I love you. You're cute. You live with me, but you don't listen to me. You don't look at me for guidance. You don't look at me for structure. You don't look at me for anything. The only time you pay attention to me is when I have a piece of food in my hand. The only time you'll do any behavior I ask you to do is when I crinkle a bag and I hold my arm up for bribery and the dog does the behavior for four seconds and gets up. The relationship is absolutely devastating. It is makes my stomach turn knowing that dog owners are so uneducated about what that's doing with their relationship versus somebody who's walking down the road that gives the dog a clear understanding of you need to walk next to me when I say to, and then I'm going to break you when you want to be a dog and when I think it's fair and applicable and appropriate. And that doesn't mean that it just, it, there's just no boundaries with people with harnesses. It doesn't exist. Like I, I see it all the time and I just like, it, it makes me so anxious that I'm like, I just, I, I just want to go up and say, do you realize that your dog 
his relation, like your relationship with this dog that you love probably more than anything else is terrible. Likely. What do you mean? What I mean is, is when you're out for your walk, that's supposed to be between you and your dog and your dog hasn't, your dog doesn't even know that you exist on that leash. And that should be a time of playing with your dog. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Like when I go out with, look, granted now I'm going to be fair play devil's advocate granted Lakota is a very driven dog she's obviously a trained dog she's my dog when I go out anywhere with her and I have a ball or I have food or I have a reward on me nothing else matters in the whole world she knows hey I love this guy I love this this treat this reward I'm gonna work what can I do to what can I do to gain that reward and play with you I just recently got a bite pillow that she loves and so when I go out, she's like pouncing, like, let me do, let me do it and I'll do some obedience and then she'll get it. It's transactional. And I just, I can't stress enough. So, the, I mean, to answer your question about the harnesses, look, yes, of course they, they were, they were made uh, to allow dogs to pull safer and that's what you're getting. So that doesn't surprise me. And I want you to watch my recent video. The harness created a dog training nightmare. Cause that's going to answer all your questions. Um, but again, like having the slip leash on is important uh, to hold the dog accountable to teach them, right? So when we're using dog training equipment, we're trying to teach the dog how to behave. Once the dog understands how to behave and learns the behaviors, you don't need the equipment until you do, right? So that's it. So just watch that video. But again, like maybe this is a whole podcast in itself, but the amount of people I like, I want to do, I literally want to like do a social experiment. Every time I'm out and I'm traveling, I want to go up and say, Hey, I want you to recall your dog. I want you to ask your dog to sit. And I, I can almost promise you my life that unless there's a squeaker or a toy or a treat involved, the dog is going to not like Fido come. The dog is not going to listen at all. They're head down. They're sniffing. They do not give a shit that you exist on that leash. Your relationship is garbage. Now, if your dog does come and then I want you to ask the dog to sit with just putting your hands at the side, just say Fido sit and see if your dog does it. I can almost guarantee that nine times out of 10, every time at scale, thousands of dogs will not do anything. They won't come back and they won't, if they pass the, and these are the most basic things you could ever ask a dog to do, which doesn't really matter, but it matters at the big scale of your dog literally not having the relationship that they deserve with you. It's, it's, it's just so bad. And as a professional who dedicated his whole life for this, nobody sees it when they're out. Like I see it everywhere I go. Like it's the only thing I see. I'm like that dog that dog and that owner are so bad. Like they don't care about it. Like I shouldn't say they don't care. It's the the owner has no idea that allowing their dog to control their entire life is pushing their dog's relationship away from them at a huge cost. Anyway, rant over. All right. Next one. Crazy college student. That's a funny name. Love your podcast. Puppy advice. Hello. First, congratulations on your baby boy. Second, I love your podcast and YouTube videos. They've helped me become a better dog groomer and pet owner. Question. I have a four month old husky mix puppy that I've recently walking on the leash and training manners. I want to train him how to go out with me while I'm riding my horse. Any advice on where to start? Yeah, I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I think the best thing to do is try to, I just actually funny. Uh, there's a guy in Stowe, Vermont, 
I don't know if anybody has been there that's listening, but there's a guy in Stowe, Vermont, that actually runs runs around Stowe with his black horse in his lab. It's like his thing. I don't know why he does it or whatever, but he does. And so the, the horse just literally chases. It's actually in one of my videos. If you go way back, uh, I did it a couple years ago, and um, he's in one of the videos with the two golden doodles. Anyway, um, you can see it there if you want my YouTube channel. Um, so it, this guy actually just like the, the dog just like follows and he uses hand commands. Um, so I think it depends on like where you're riding with your horse. Excuse me. Um, because I think that that matters. By the way, that video is called training two out of control doodles at once. It's on my YouTube channel. You can check it out. You can check that horse out with the dog. Um, so I don't really know how he necessarily trained his dog, but I can tell you that you just have to start. I think the more normal you have your dogs riding next to you or behind your horse, um, the better. And I think it's a natural thing of like the dog understanding boundaries that when you stop with your horse, your dog stops. Um, so I, you could have somebody behind you with like a long line kind of holding your dog accountable when they pass certain things. The e-collar is going to be huge. So off leash, like checking at quick little tap with the e-collar to keep the dog in the place. There's a lot of ways to do it, but it's a really, it's kind of like a, I'd have to really know a lot more about it to give you exact information. Uh, there's a big part of me that wants to move out West and have a little farm and do a little dog training getaway every month to pay my bills. And that's, that would make me happy. <laughs> uh, so the out West and that type of like horsemanship and dogmanship and just working with animals really, uh, fires up my, my passion. Um, I think that they go hand in hand. I think that that lifestyle is really what my soul likes being out West in the mountains, surrounded by animals who don't speak English that just understand body language is amazing. And then being able to fly people out as a destination, like staying in TPs and stuff would be amazing. So I think that that's my five-year goal is to get a property out West and create a dog training experience where people come out once a month and we train, um, we train dog trainers and we do shadow programs and, and we do, um, basically what I'm doing now, but out West, but making it more of a retreat for longer periods of time. It's, uh, it's definitely been floating around my brain. I would make me the happiest human that would fulfill my, and my wife loves the mountains as well. And she likes outdoors. So if anybody has property out West, Montana, Colorado, Wyoming, that has farm or uh, anything like that, hit me up. Cause, uh, I'd like to start creating some special getaways like that. I think it would be cool. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. I, I would just say start doing it. Um, <clears throat> I think the best thing to do is just train your dog off leash in general and then have the expectation of the dog to be in your vicinity. I don't know what you want your dog to do. I know your dog's not going to run faster than your horse. So uh, staying behind you, staying with you, uh, I would just have like a solid like stay in my vicinity uh, behavior. So anyway, I know this is a long end of a podcast, but <clears throat> I haven't excuse me, I got a lot on my mind. I've been taking some time off. I've realized um, I'm starting, you know, I'm, I'm becoming a, I'm working on myself every day and becoming a human and trying to make myself uh, a better human. And um, so I'm learning, you know, when I go away uh, to certain areas, like I went to Turks and Caicos and I was like, it was beautiful. And I did it for my family. I bought my mom, my sister and my wife uh, all 
like it was an all-inclusive trip for them at a beautiful resort in Turks and Caicos. But I just was losing my mind. I was like going crazy. And when we do things like when we went to Colorado and Aspen or we just went to Vermont, like I was able to work. I was able to put out videos. I was able to put out content. So I, I really do like, and we're, we're going on tour next month. So I, it's going to be, I just can't travel without working. It makes me really anxious. I feel like I'm falling behind. I just need to keep going. So that's why I'm really excited for tour because we get to do both. We're traveling, we're working, we're filming, we're creating content. It's amazing. So I can just see myself in the next four to five years getting a place that allows me to, you know, take care of animals and teach people. Anyway, fired up, got a lot on my mind. Uh, I'm excited for the future. Thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you Wednesday. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.